Hello and welcome to the EPL Pitch Side. This podcast is powered by City FM and City Sports. This is your go-to hub for English Premier League analysis, transfer stories, statistics, and everything in between. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, showdown between Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho at Manchester United. Deadline day gems, which players will have the biggest impact on their clubs? Evan Ferguson is Brighton's new star player and there's a focus on African players as we always do. Jordan Ayew has been awarded the Crystal Palace Player of the Month. Thomas Partey is out for a couple of weeks and Nottingham Forest have completed the signing of Ivory Coast Ibrahim Sangari. My name is Benjamin Inketia and today I have two of my good brothers here with me, Nathan Kwao and Susu Graham. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. All right, thank, thank you, you. Thank, thank you. you. Well, it's not so fun at the red side of Manchester because it is controversy after controversy after controversy. Jaden Sancho did not take too kindly um, to the words of Eric Ten Hag. Now, Eric Ten Hag was asked after United's 3-1 defeat to ask now about why Sancho was not part of the match squad. And he said that uh, they have a lot of options up front and Sancho did not train well uh, in the past week and so they decided not to select him. Well, Jaden Sancho did not take too kindly to that. Two hours after that Ten Hag um, statement to the press, he released a statement of his own and said that he has been scapegoated for far too long. And he believes that he was dropped from the match squad for other reasons and certainly not training. Because by his own evaluation, his training was great. Nathan. <laughs> wow. wow. There's always some drama at Manchester United. <laughs> I don't think Eric Ten Hag planned for this. Um, look, it, there, there, are, there are lots of different layers. And if you read some of the stories in England, you now have to filter out what is possibly true or, or not. Some people say Jaden Sancho is upset because Anthony gets picked all the time and he doesn't. There are some people who say, look, Jaden Sancho, your, your professional record is not too good in terms of your attitude towards training. You don't come to team meetings early. You are late. And even those who follow the Bundesliga and several journalists who know the <coughs> German League will tell you that this is not new because when he was at Dortmund, Jaden Sancho, yeah. I mean, he had a he, few... He had to miss two or three yeah, games because they told him that he was late was too late. often. So, so, attitude now problems are part of Jaden Sancho. I won't say they are big attitude now, but whatever it is, some managers in his career have had problems with his attitude and his application. So, you look at Eric Ten Hag and the fact that he was candid, at least from his perspective. He trains with the players 24, he's with them all the time, seven days a week, he watches them. And so, if he says a player did not train well, he is watching. I don't know what standards he has set, but per his standards, he doesn't think the player meets the required standards for training. And so he doesn't think he's going to feature him in a game. When you employ a manager to do the work, you have to allow him room to put in his disciplinary measures and do what he thinks is right for the team. On the flip side, I think Jadin Sancho will also have to kind of explain what he means by he's being scapegoated. I don't want to think this will play out anymore in the public. I, I think they will settle this in the back. I think there may be a punitive measure here and there. A fine may be extreme. I think Sancho will be benched for a few more games. Because I think everybody wants the same thing. Everybody, the manager and Sancho, everybody wants Man United to be in a good place. 
So I think that they will have to understand that how they air their issues and how they communicate will have to make a lot of sense. Man United are in a very bad place in the PR communication skill. Mason Greenwood drama is still on. There's this takeover business that has not been settled. Mm-hmm. The Glazers are always catching Anthony's heat. brewing. Anthony, there's this Anthony issue on this. It's a very horrible time for Man United publicly as a face saving or as a, you know, a, a public facing entity. So they need to figure this out. But I guess when these things happen, managers will always win, quote unquote, because they will lay down the law and the player will have to, to follow. I don't know what. I don't know whether this is the beginning of the end. I don't know, but you get the sense that it's either this reinforces or this kind of strengthens the relationship between Sancho and the manager where both of them are resolved to pushing Man United to a good place or it could deepen the chasm wider and then at a point somebody will have to leave the club. Well, I would say this before I come to Susu. I think that Ten Hag's own man management reputation has been laid bare on the back of this Jaden Sancho issue. So there are a couple of issues. You go back to Eunice back in his time at Holland. You go back to Noah Lang. You go back to reports on how he supposedly handled the De Gea situation. Apparently, there was a compromise, and then he later went yeah, back he on his word. And said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's let De Gea go. There's been issues with Harry Maguire recently, where Maguire has had to come out publicly to explain, even in longer <laughs> terms than Jaden Sancho. There's been the famous or the infamous Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, with Piers Morgan episode, and now we have Jaden Sancho you know, I as think, well. I think of all the episodes, the the unique one is the Ronaldo episode. Ronaldo publicly grants an interview. I don't think Ten Hag ever attacked Ronaldo publicly. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, of all the players at United, Ronaldo is the only person Ten Hag did I mean, not I'm go not even attack, at, I'm not even unquote. talking about a public attack per se. More like how you handle I think man management see, issues, whether see, in public or in the background. because he's a disciplinarian. I think this is where he gets in trouble with players. I think... He's, uh, he doesn't compromise. I think that that's the issue. And I think some, a lot of players, if you have someone like Sancho, who we've talked about, his checkered disciplinary record. I remember Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, he also had a checkered disciplinary yeah. record. When you meet someone who is not willing to give you that space mm-hmm. to make those mistakes, it can be upsetting. Because in the Aubameyang situation, if you remember, they talked about he was always late. Yeah. So Tuko said he used to tell Aubameyang the meeting started 15 or 30 minutes earlier to make sure he was on time. That was... But for Ateta, he felt that you are as club captain. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have to be doing those things for yep. you. So I think in Sancho's situation, it's two things. And I think it's a very personal thing in a way. This mm. is my reason. And, and, and Ten Hag gave Sancho, what, close to three, three months. months off? Yes. And, and, and I think because of that luxury, quote-unquote, Ten Hag will probably feel that you are the only... You feel betrayed. Yes. I've given you all this time to get yourself together. And yet, you are still not I, trying I hard. think... What, what it comes down to is that Ten Hag prefers Anthony and Sancho must believe that he can do better than Anthony. I think that this is the core of it. Mm. I have to be very honest. And I think there's a case to be made for that. But let True. me just talk about what we have noticed with Ten Hag, Anthony and Sancho. So this right-wing position, this is last season. I just want to talk about last season. Yeah. In the Premier League, let's limit it to the Premier League to just make the stats easier to manage. Sancho played 26 games. Anthony played 25 you wouldn't think this because of how often Sancho was in and out of the team. But he played more games than Anthony. But then you look at the stats. Sancho started 21. Anthony started 23. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to minutes, let's say you boil down the minutes, you put it, let's say the whole season is a 38, 90-minute chunks. Yep. Sancho only played 18.7 90-minute chunks. 
So less than half their season. But Anthony played 20. So Anthony played a few more minutes than him. Yeah. Now, let's get to the numbers. So Sancho scored six goals. Anthony scored four. Mm. Sancho got three assists. Anthony got two. So if you're Sancho, let's just put our face value. You can yeah. understand why he's a I'm bit doing less. I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing more, more with less. Now, let's go to the expected stats. So, uh, Sancho's XG was 4.2, yet he got six goals. Mm-hmm. Anthony's XG was 6.6, and he scored four goals. Yeah. Expected assists. Sancho's expected assists were five, and he got three assists. So, it means his teammates wasted his chances. Anthony's expected assists was 2.9. So, he seems to be crazy. So, it means when he's on the pitch, mm-hmm. he is doing quote-unquote, more than Anthony in the attacking sense. I think it's the work rate and defensive things, which it comes back to the training, which is why he might prefer Anthony to Sancho. Because I think if you are trying to break a team down, you want Sancho. With all due respect to Anthony, he's not shown me anything to show me that he can be consistently helping you break down the team. In Sancho's case, he has his flaws. What I've noticed the more I watch him is that he's not your traditional winger. If you look at someone like Martinelli, Rashford, Mm -hmm. Salah, Rafael like Yao. Across, across between is, a winger and a forward. He's more of like, he plays like a number 10. He's not a powerful runner. Like, he can't run at yeah. his fullback. He has to do one-twos, quick shimmies. Yeah. So, when I watch him play, he plays more like a Mato and Ozil, but he's wide. That's how he... And I think if you're a winger like that, the players around you are even more important because you need to be bouncing off yeah. them and that kind of stuff. And, and I'm happy you've mentioned that because... It's very easy to look at Jadon Sancho mm-hmm. and say, yeah, he did well at Dortmund. But if you watch... 95% of those Dortmund games, he had all kinds of amazing runners yep. around him. Bouncing around Bounce, him, yeah. attacking who could make fact, his work to, to even easy. just put it simply, Jaden Sancho is a specialist at playing one-twos. If you watch his game, exactly. it's, it's probably one of his biggest strengths as a footballer. And so he basically thrives off that. And like, I, I, I love the perspective you bring with the Anthony statistics because clearly if Sancho is steeped in stats, his people are telling him that you are doing better I than mean, Anthony. I mean, and, and he let's, will be let's not even counter. The thing is, the one stat most people talk about is goals. Mm-hmm. And what we there's this there was this story flying around social media that after one of the Chelsea yeah. brand new games that Sancho confronted Ten Hag that every time we play, I'm the first to come off. And I'm sure a lot of people have noticed this that oh, yeah. one of the first players to come off is usually Jaden Sancho. And he's feeling that Anthony is getting 90 minutes very regularly. I when I start games, I'm not getting to finish them. You see, so I think that this is where his frustration is coming from, that he feels that he's not being given enough chances. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Anthony, who he's, quote-unquote, playing better than, let's just use their style, because everyone has what they want in their winger, yeah. that he's playing better than, is getting more chances than, I can understand their frustration. But if you're Ten Hag, and you've also asked the board to pay this big money for Anthony, you have to stand by him. <laughs> let's be honest. No, let's be very honest. There's a reason why he requested Anthony specifically. Yeah. So if you're going to request the player, why would you buy him to now come and bench him for a player that's already there? Because he saw Sancho in preseason mm-hmm. and he thought Sancho was not good enough, which is why he requested Anthony. Well, so I there's all, I think that mm-hmm. personal thing, I think, and it, it happens to players a lot when you're not someone's player. Look at Hernan Crespo, great striker. His misfortune was every time he was bought at Chelsea, I think by Ranieri. Next mm-hmm. season, Mourinho comes, doesn't like him. He's off. He goes to Inter. Eventually, Mourinho arrives again. He's and off. Moves him on. And sometimes, it's just unfortunate for players like yeah. that because every manager has the players they trust, the players they want to play with. So, I think that the, what is, the two people have spoken their truth in their eyes. I don't think either of them is that. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Mm, mm. Based on Sancho's track record, yeah. I can believe he did not train well. But based on what... <laughs> 
Ten Hag has seen. I can also believe he wasn't impressed. So I get it. Yeah. But Sancho saying that there's other things is probably talking about the fact that he's demanded more playing time. Yeah, he's he feels not, he's not getting the chance and he feels Anthony is preferred. Mm. I think that that is probably well, what is we, actually. We are, we are hearing a lot of reports, first of all, that Saudi clubs are circling. Won't get too much into that. We also hear um, that the tension is really palpable in there. Um, like Nathan said, there might be punitive measures, but we are also, again, hearing from guys like Rio Ferdinand that this might probably be the end of the road for Sancho but at Manchester United. I just want to United. say one last thing. Like, I can understand Sancho. It was a very stupid thing he did. But I get it. If any of us was here, mm-hmm. someone says someone some, about us in public, I mean, yeah. sometimes the emotions I, are there I, I, that you want to defend ten, I yourself. I think Ten Hag did not go down the right path by but, throwing Sancho but, but under, see, but, I, I think that's throwing Sancho but, under but the personally, bus. personally, personally, mm-hmm. Those who were at the press conference yeah. and have listened to the clip in its entirety say that when you listen to How the clip... How would he say he threw him under the bus? It was as high as he... Why wasn't Sancho in It doesn't let, really let come me, across... Let, let me put it this way. If you ask me as a manager, where is Jaden Sancho? He's not in your math squad. My I, thing is... I, I probably will not say that. I, I'll say... I yeah. will, I will not say... Have, it's he, my decision he, not to play Jaden Sancho and have, ends he, there. He could have said something. He could have just protected the player a bit. But to say it like that, yeah. I think I can understand why and, Sancho... And Sancho felt this. like his professionalism was being yes, questioned. Yes. No, and so, and, 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 as I said, that he definitely would have to come out to defend People why did Sancho do that? And a lot of people are surprising because if you were there and someone came and started insulting you in public, you, you want you to would, defend you yourself. Want yeah. like, and back. that's what I'm saying. It's not the smartest thing because in a situation like this, you are always going to lose. Yeah. Like, if one of, Bernard went to say something about one of us in public and we decide to fight back. We are done here. Yeah. Like, it is what that's it is. How, that's not how it works. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we understand. We'll see, we'll see how this yes, plays out yes. eventually. Let's get to our second item on the list and let's talk about deadline day deal. So, it was a pretty busy uh, deadline day for Premier League clubs. So, Brennan Johnson, he made his way to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Man United brought in um, Sofian Amrabat on loan. And then uh, we also... Regulon, yep, we had Ansu Fati joining Brighton and Hove Albion. Iwobi has made his way from Everton to Fulham Football Club. Reguillon also joined Manchester United. Chelsea brought in Cole Palmer. And then Nottingham Forest brought in Ibrahim Sangai. I liked AFC Bournemouth's move to bring in Luis Sinistera from Leeds United. <laughs> A lot of really good deadline day moves. Let me start with you, Susu. I mean, which, which move caught your eye the most? Which player do you see yeah. having a big impact at his new club? Uh, we are limited to Premier League, right? Yes, Because I have are. a few... Intre- okay, then if I limit it to Premier League, I think I'll talk about Amra- Amrabat, yeah. Sangari, and Gravenberg. Mm. Is it Gravenberg? Grafenberg. Grafenberg. So I think those three... Yeah, Ryan Grafenberg yeah, for I Liverpool. I think those three will be very transformative. I think we've looked at United's midfield not look too solid in, mm-hmm. the, in the, the start of the season. So another tenacious, energetic ball winner next to Casemiro, who can also progress the ball. Mm. I mean, we spoke about this on Sports Panorama. I believe he was, what, ninth in progressive passes, but he played, was it only 29 games? Mm-hmm. He got 11 yellow cards last season, so it shows that he likes to really get into a tackle. I think he was in the top 10 for fouls committed in Syria as well, if I remember correctly. I have to just go and check that again. So this is a player who moves the ball forward. If you look mm. at passing distance for it, he's also in the top 10 in yeah. Syria. So we, we can see his skill set. We are hearing he'll be injured for the next six weeks, which is a bit problematic. But look, by the time he comes back and he gets into the fold, he starts contributing. I think he'll be a very big signing for Man United. And then Ibrahim Sangari. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think Liverpool should have bought him I instead am, of 
kicking the, the wall. There. I'm not sure how Liverpool did not get Sangari because that was 35 million. Yeah, just just 35. And it's the, 25 and, and, years. And the Nottingham Forest fans can't even believe because they thought, decided to pick they, because they thought that if PSV made the Champions League. Would PSV be, would not sell, but yeah. they did make the Champions League, and they did sell. Yeah, so I think he'd be a very good signing for them, and I think they started very well. I think we thought they would have struggled this season, but yeah. when I've their results show that this is a team that will probably comfortably they made finish seven deadline day signings, yeah. and I'm saying even without that, they look they look so far like a team that will comfortably finish mid table. So that I think that's a re- good addition. I mm. think. Gravenberg. Gravenberg. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying. I'm trying. Either which way, I love I'm it. Trying. Let's go. Let's I'm go with it. I think Liverpool should have bought a six and moved McAllister to the eight, a proper six, mm. as well as mm-hmm. Endo. But if you are going to persist to McAllister, and maybe Endo is also going to play some minutes there, and you bring in Gravenberg, I think you have a very good impact. I think that was his problem at buying that there wasn't that role for him. He's more of a mm-hmm. fourth UC player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool playing a fourth UC means it's perfect for him. Yeah. So I think he will fit in very well. We've not seen much of him at Bayern because of his move and stuff. But I think, look, he's a great on ball player. We saw him. Any Ajax, Ajax, look, Ajax don't create, they, they build technicians. <laughs> they don't That's what they do. They don't manufacture, they don't manufacture, they manufacture, they manufacture players who are not fast. They manufacture players who are not strong. But they will never manufacture a player who's bad on the ball. That's one thing. Technical never do. impact will that's always one, be there. That's one thing they will never do. So knowing that and knowing the way we see Liverpool, a counter-attacking team, I yeah. think he'll do very well when he plays. My only question is if you play and how much you play, because I think Curtis Jones is there, Javier Liet is there, Sobosla is there. I think there's a even Thiago Alcantara when he's fit is there. I think there's a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. I think he has to really stand out because. If you look at Elliot and Curtis Jones, they already know the club system a bit better. They're already ready to play. Yeah. I still believe someone like Javi Elliot, his true position at the end of the day is to replace Mohamed Salah in the future. Mm. I think that that is probably his long-term yeah. position. Yeah. But for now... have two of those kind of players lined up, Doak and, and Javi Elliot. But I think right now, because of how good Salah is, how durable Salah is, he can't get that position. And I think what is happening right now is, as a compromise, because of his quality, he's yeah. playing in midfield. I think that that's what we are seeing. So I think, but for now, they are all competing for those similar roles. Yeah. So there's, and even Basetic, he'll yep. come back eventually. Yep. Yep. I don't know that he, his future is at six or eight. Definitely looks a, like a six to me, but he can, he can play eight comfortably. He's a very young player. So there's, there's a lot of potential for So that midfield is packed. It, yeah. It's packed in the sense that there's a lot of projects and exciting young players. There's not an established player, yeah. which is what Sangari is a bit more established. Mm. I think him and Endo, between the two of them, would have comfortably handled the six for Liverpool and put them back in title contention. I, I, I don't I know, think, man. I don't know how Liverpool missed out Because I think that. Endo, as your only established six, Thanks. is dangerous. I think there's someone who now has come and adjust the Premier League. Sangari also had to adjust, but I think he had more physical tools. Yeah. I'm not sure about more Endo. More athletic. I don't know that. about Endo just yet, but I'm just looking at that Liverpool. I think their midfield is quite packed now. I think they are set up very well for the season, set up for a deep European run and set up for a deep cup runs. But mm. I think the team just looks too fragile defensively to truly challenge for the title. Yeah. Though they're on about a 15-14 game unbeaten streak, yep. I still don't trust the defence so much. There's always a mistake here and there. We saw Joe Gomez this weekend. Last weekend, we saw Van Dijk get sent off. We saw Trent. There's always something happening, but they are still getting their wins. Nathan? Um, I, I th- I, when you look at a lot of the business, I think a lot of the business has made sense. Because the Amrabat one was quite obvious. Man United needed some extra help in midfield. They've done so. Um, one team whose business towards the end and um, fascinated me was uh, was Everton. 
Beto was in deadline. He was a bit earlier. A bit yeah. earlier. Yeah. But but I'll mention them because mm-hmm. I feel that they also... I feel did, like they all fall around yes, just they, about they, the same they, thing. They brought him in. You can tell he's he's adding something to their setup in, in, and it's helped. But in terms of just deadline day signings, I, I've mentioned um, Amrabat. Grafenberg was, was a brilliant signing by Liverpool. They missed out on Sangari and I'm still wondering why they didn't. And I think it's a coup for... Nottingham Forest. But I think Spurs also acquiring Brennan Johnson helps. That's an extra layer that mm-hmm. they can throw in in attack. And that's Especially extra headache for Richarlison. When they want to play on and, the break. With Richarlison scoring three trouble. over exactly. the weekend. It means that now, Ange Postikoglu will look at it and say, you know what, let me just put Son here. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team kind of picks itself. Well, I just want to add one transfer. Yeah. It's Premier League related, but he's not playing the Premier League. I think Mason Greenwood to Hetafe. Yeah. It's very important for Man. Because <laughs> it seems that the fact that Manu didn't sell him, mm-hmm. If he's on loan, he has a very good season. He comes back. Maybe there's another chance at reintegration. <laughs> if not, you can you're sell you're him keep... for a fee. Yeah. So I think that transfer is also very important mm-hmm. in the future of what man you do at least. Because even if another English club doesn't want him, a champ, if he goes and scores, let's say, 2015 goes at Hetafe after not playing for 18 months. A bigger team in Europe and somewhere might think that mm, maybe let's take a chance on him. So that's a very important transfer well, as well. The Hetafe fans are absolutely... Uh, over the moon to have him. Let me talk about just three quick transfers before we move on to our next item. Callum Hudson, although to Forest, I thought that was a very interesting move. Yeah. I mean, a player who was primed for really big things never hit the heights that were um, the I mean, set really, up for him. Yeah. So for him, I think it's a moment of introspection. He will want to grab this chance with as much um, enthusiasm as possible. Brennan Johnson is gone, meaning that there'll probably be an open yes, slot for him to play. Yeah. And Sufati to Brighton oh, is that, a move that's a good that one. also got my attention. You know, I'm not too excited about that. I don't think it will really... I don't think it benefits mm. either party as much as you mm. I mean. It, <laughs> I think, for me, the reason why is Mitoma has been one of their best players. Yep. He, he plays in Ansu Fati's position. best position. Unless you want to play Ansu Fati through the middle. Yeah. And there's Evan Ferguson, Welbeck, Jao Pedro. Yeah. I don't know... What Ansufati really offers, they don't have. Maybe he's going to play on their right. Like, I'm just not yep. sure but yeah. I mean, that's, about that's how why, they use that's why. It, it remains to be seen, but yeah. on paper, I'm just yeah. not too excited. That's why it's alone. Well, that's one, of those, it yep, that's one of those moves that caught my eye. And then I think, um, finally, Luis Sinister, always a big fan oh, of his take on merchant. Pacey. Um, <laughs> he won't give yeah, Bournemouth. He, yeah, yeah, yeah I think, and I think Bournemouth are, are yet to win a game this season. Yep. Two was it two draws, two defeats. So, they definitely need a pickup. Big addition. Yeah. Let's get on and get to a player who is making waves, um, breaking records and um, doing his own thing at age 18 only. Evan Ferguson scored his first Premier League hat-trick uh, when his side were up against Newcastle United. Uh, joins hallowed company, Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, <laughs> youngest um, English guys to get that kind of feat in the Premier League. How big can this guy be, Nathan? Well, it- I mean, he's, he's working with a, a manager who can take him to the next level. The ceiling for growth is huge. He's already showing the potential. And I think physically, he's, he's, he's huge. Physically, he meets the requirement to play in the Premier League. He can really move himself about. And I think he's showing several aspects of his game. Can stay in the box and score. Yeah. Can move out of the box. Can provide great link-up play. His movement is good. I think if he just keeps his head down and, and pushes and, and still thrives in this Brighton system, I think that... In three, four years, the big teams will come knocking. I know some of them are looking at him, but I'm sure they would want to wait to see how this full season plays out and then they can put together their plans. But I think he started really well. And it's always nice seeing young strikers. It's always nice seeing young you know, forwards getting the opportunity. 
and they are making the best of those opportunities that, that they are getting. So for Evan Ferguson, it's just a great time. So, so just quick thoughts on him. I think I like the fact that he's not one who's relying on his pace. He's more of a big physical guy. And the reason I say this is, you are talking about young players who achieved a lot. Mike Owen scored three hat-tricks at 18. Mm-hmm. And because he relied so much on his pace, those knee injuries robbed him of what could have been a much better career. I know he won a Ballon d'Or and stuff, but I think yeah. Michael Owen was a player who could have done a lot more with his career, despite how good his career was regardless. So mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm not as scared of injuries. I think I could see him having a career like Olivier Giroud, where he focuses on... Being hand, a target man. Exactly. Yeah. Or even Zlatan Ibrahimovic, where he, where he focuses... Back to the, where back if, to the goal. if you keep your body well, you can play until you're 40. Because if you're not relying on your pace and you are relying on your mind and your strength, you can play a lot longer. So I think that's something to look out for. And I think he could have a very, very good career. Well, Evan Ferguson, um, the sky is only the view for the young man. Let's take a quick breather here on the EPL pit side on City FM. When we come back, we'll get into the focus on African players. Welcome back to the EPL Pitside Show here on City FM. My name is Benjamin Inketi. I'm here with Nathan Kwao and Susu Graham. Let's get into our focus on African players here. And Ghana's Jordan Ayu has been named Crystal Palace Player of the Month. He's uh, recorded a couple of assists to his name. And when he was asked about what has made him um, such a blossoming player in the past couple of weeks, he says Roy Hudson puts him in positions where he can be successful. Now, he's down, uh, down here playing for Ghana. International break, big game. He will be perhaps one of the biggest names in the locker room. Nathan, snap thoughts on Jordan. Well, I, I think he started the season well. Last season didn't really go too well for him. You know, he's had better times at Palace. And now that Roy Hodgson is back, he would hope that he will, he will enjoy a good run. And he has started fairly well. Two assists in four games. It's not a bad return at all. Yes, would have loved him to have a few more goals. But I'm sure he will get... A few. I saw some chance that was going in. It was cleared off the line. He's just been unlucky. <laughs> He's just been unlucky. But I think that under Hodgson, you can tell that Palace, even as a team, play at a different level. They seem to be a bit more liberated. They can play their best football. And they're a bit more attack-minded than we usually see them to be. So it's nice to see Jordan thriving. It's nice to see that he's getting rewarded. I'm sure he would want to give more. And would love, to see, would love you know, him to have more numbers to his name. So, great start for him. I think it usually starts like this, or it's been like this most of the time at his time at Palace. The season starts positively. Then he goes on this very horrible dip. Then he emerges at another time with a good run. So, I hope he's a bit more consistent. Well, let's get to two other African brothers who are tearing it up at Brentford. Wisa and Ibemo. Well, in the absence of Ivan Tony, Susu did mention that those two probably would have enough in the tank to hold Brentford up. They are doing their fair bit so far. Yeah, there was a start, I think, nearly every game Tony has missed. Wisa and Mbuemo has scored. I think Wisa didn't score in the last one, but Mbuemo has kept up their streak. Look, they are doing very well. I think it's unfortunate that Brentford have only won one game, but they've not lost. So they have six points. I mean, they are doing what you expected. They are difficult to beat. They are making things happen. And Mbuemo, because he's left-footed and he's a winger, I think there'll be a big market for him because that right winger who can cut in on his left and make things happen. It's a very small market. There's very few players yep. who I think can perform at a high level and he keeps getting things done. He's winning penalties. He's scoring. Look, you, I'm sure you, people saw the goal he scored mm-hmm. um, this weekend where yeah. he gave that nice touch to 10. Yo, he's, he's nice. Was, yeah, that was he's, a very good lovely to watch. Nice. So, I mean, I think... In, and we saw he's, he's... I think he's a bit more limited. He's a very penalty box striker. But when the chance comes, 
He reminds you of like an Inzaghi or he's a big or, game or player a late, can... or a late Michael Owen, where when the ball drops in the box, he's in the right place at the right time and he has the right finish. He's a big game player. So you I can ask Liverpool are, about him. So I think those are two. <laughs> those are two very good African players who are not getting enough shine because I think it's because it's Brentford. Yep. it's not really yeah, a team. They are doing very well. And they Finally, are, they are carrying the load that's been left by um, Ivan Tony. Yep. They are holding up really well. Well, let's talk about Ghana's Thomas Partey to conclude um, this week's discussion. He is out for a couple of weeks, according to um, his club side. He suffered a muzzle injury. Now, I want to ask this question. It's complicated times at Arsenal. If mm. Partey stays out a couple of weeks and he recovers, does he walk back into this team? Already, he was being played at right back. 30 seconds each and then Look, we can close I, Based on what we saw over the weekend, mm-hmm. Arsenal look very settled when everybody's in their natural position. So Ben White is playing at right back. Then Declan Rice is comfortable to play in the middle of the park. The challenge now is, it looks like the um, Harvard experiment hasn't worked too well. But does it mean that there's space for Thomas Partey? I don't know. I think that's a question Ateta will have to answer. Because if Partey is fit, he would want pa- Thomas Partey to play. It means that Arsenal will have to accommodate him. But... He's a key player. We'll have to wait and see, one, how they adjust, and two, the decisions Arteta won't make when Partey is fully fit to return. I think Partey is one of the first teams on the team sheet when he's fit. I think Arteta likes I think nothing him. has changed. I think Arteta likes, likes, him, likes him, which is why he's been moved to right back. I think that is what you have now. You have tactical flexibility. And I think part of the reason, I think, and I mentioned this, remember, before that, in his Arsenal career, in his three seasons, he had played 100 games, about 99, 100 games. In the last two seasons, Declan Rice had played the same 100 games for West Ham. So Rice is fitter. He's more likely to play games. So if you have, bo- you have both players and Partey goes down, you know that Rice can cover for him in those games. Partey can come back. And you can even give Rice the occasional breather, which he did not get as often at West Ham. So I think everybody is, is going to be fine in the long run because now you have an elite... D- and for me, I said this before, that Declan Rice was a top 10, if not top 5 DM in the world before he joined Arsenal. So for me, if you have two top 10 DMs, and you mm-hmm. can fit them in, do it. If you can, you need to play just one, do it. Whatever the situation calls for, you can do it. If you want to be more attacking, you know that, okay, I can take off one of them, I'll be fine. If you want to be more defensive, I can play the two, I'll be fine. If I want to do this and that, that's why we are seeing Partey right back. So I think he just gives, it's just, they have a lot of tactical options. And I think mm. Partey will play when he's fit. I think that, that that is not in doubt. But it makes me wonder, will Arsenal give up on him eventually because of his fitness? That's a that, question that, that will be answered big, in the long run. Big question. Thank you very much to Sue Graham. Thank you very much, Nathan Kwao. And that's all for this episode of the EPL Pitch Side. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Benjamin Nketiah, and many thanks for listening.